loved getting people together. He also loved being in the middle of the spotlight. So, um, my name, as he said, is Scott Butcher, and uh, Crispin was my best friend, closest confidant, and he'd been my gym partner for the last almost two decades. I'm sure you know Crispin had a big, big life. He had so many friends, too many to count. He was on many boards, civic boards, and he had a job that was big. He had a big life. And today we're going to hear from some uh, people that were involved in that big life. Um, but first, uh, can you all rise and stand for the presentation of the colors? Honor Guard, can you present the colors? Please be seated. I would like to introduce um, Chaplain Fred Tota, who's going to say a few words. Just let's take a moment of silence and bring all the intentions we hold dear in our hearts as we say. In the name of our Creator, by whatever title we address the one who loved us into being, we breathe in that power that we have come to know as our guide, our protector, and our wisdom for this life. In this sacred place, we gather as a community of support for each other, allowing for differences and creating ways to work together by forgiving and loving while protecting each other 
and those we are called to serve. We hold in gratitude and sorrow the sacred memory of Crispin Hollins and his gift of himself to others. We hold hope that all those he loved and cared for are continually blessed by his presence in each of their hearts. Merciful Creator, bless us, fill in the missing pieces of the person we wish to be for ourselves and others. We pray in faith and hope. Amen. When we started planning this event with the Sheriff's Department, um, it became clear that Assistant uh, Sheriff Tanzanika Carter would be an integral part of it. And she, and she and her team have done an amazing job in, in putting this all together. We couldn't have done it without her and her team. And now we'd like to introduce, in, uh, we'd like to have her up to say a few, a poem for Christmas memory. So this poem is entitled, Loving Memories. And I'm hoping that all of us here today are keeping those loving memories of Crispin in our hearts right now. Your gentle face and patient smile, with sadness we recall. You had a kindly word for each and died beloved by all. The voice is mute and stilled the heart that loved us well and true. Ah, bitter was the trial to part from one so good as you. You are not forgotten, loved one, nor will you ever be. As long as life and memory last, we will remember thee. We, we miss you now, our hearts are sore. As time goes by, we miss you more your loving smile, your gentle face. No one can feel your empty place. Thank you. Crispin had a lot of passions, but the one I think was his biggest passion was community. He really relied on community, and he helped community grow. I had the honor of working with Crispin on the board of directors of the Castro Country Club. Castro Country Club is a refuge in the, in the Castro for the LGBTQ recovery community. And here to speak next is Billy Lemon, my friend and the executive director of the Castro Country Club. I, uh, so good morning. Um, my name is Billy Lemon. I am the um, executive director of the Castro Country Club. Um, 
We are a nonprofit organization that has, uh, has worked on 18th Street between Castro and Hartford since 1983. Um, from the period of about 1983 till about 2009, the scrappy little nonprofit moved along and, and tried to help people change their lives um, by offering a safe space for them to find a bit of solace away from uh, booze, um, drugs, um, any host of any host of things, and and it did all right. In 2000, uh, I see Senator Weiner is making me tear. Up. Anyways, uh, let's let, move right along. Um, in 2009, the club faced closure um, due to an expanding real estate market uh, for for which most of us are, understand what that means. Uh, it was Crispin, along with uh, three, and, three or four other folks that decided to make it their personal mission to save the Castro Country Club. Hi, Mike Shriver. I, he's watching, Mike, Mike is watching at home, so I wanna, I wanna acknowledge him. <laughs> and, oh. So, um, I just I just realized that your mom is watching, Paul. Uh, so I want to make sure that I give a I want to make sure that I say hello to Jennifer, and that um, <laughs> my deepest condolences to you and your family. Your son was an amazing man. Um, So Crispin, along with the help of Senator Weiner and Mike Shriver, um, and at that time Terry Beswick, decided to make it their mission to keep the steps in the Castro. Because what the Castro Country Club does is it offers folks an opportunity to, to change their lives. <laughs> when I reached out to, um, Mike is very, Mike is ill at this time, and when I reached out to Mike so that he could share some some thoughts around what Crispin meant to him and what Crispin, what it was like at the time when the club almost closed. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna share those right now because I think it's, Mike said, Crispin never doubted the importance of having a community space in the Castro where folks could find safety and freedom from the grip of addiction. Um, he said that Crispin believed with all of his soul that folks deserve fellowship and the hope for a better life. <laughs> his communication style was deliberate, and when he spoke, everybody listened. Uh, so I had the opportunity to introduce myself to Paul this morning when we, when we arrived, and I was I, uh, immediately taken back by the... Uh, by, by Paul's voice, he sounds exactly like his brother. Um, that I, I would imagine that's gonna find, that's gonna bring people a lot of joy when they hear you speak to them today and tomorrow. So thank you for that little reminder. It was, it, it touched me. Um, 
You know, um, I grew up in the Central Valley. I grew up, uh, I'm sober also, eight years. So the Castro Country Club literally saved my life. Nope. Um, and I grew up in the Central Valley swimming and playing water polo. And I had a coach in high school that was like, he was super, super hard on us. Um, and he almost scary, almost scary how hard he was on us. But at the end of the day, he was the person I most wanted to impress. And I worked very, very hard to make, to earn his respect. Is that, like, is that, is that a familiar thing for your brother? Because that's the way Crispin struck me. He was so, he was so smart and lovely and, and commanded attention and dedicated and determined and efficient, super efficient. Um, and he just, he, he made me want to be a better person. And I think that's a gift. So uh, he helps, he, along with others, Senator Weiner also, helped save and keep the club in the Castro in around, you know, 2010. And then from there on, it has, it has, it has continued. Um, I'd like to share a little, uh, I also, uh, my predecessor, Terry Beswick, was very, very close to, to Crispin, and they worked hand in hand to kind of keep the club open at a time where it was, it wasn't, it wasn't certain that it was going to remain open. So I'd like to share Terry's comment that he's shared with me. So at a, at a time of great challenge and turmoil within the community of the Castro Country Club, Crispin was a moral compass and guide. When I wasn't sure what was right or if I had lost my way, he never once failed to show me how to keep my eye on the ball while staying true to my values. He was pragmatic, but with a huge heart, and he provided the gravitas I did not possess. I can guarantee, without his help, we would have lost the club. I asked, um, Crispin was on my board um, un <clears throat> until his passing. Um, uh, I asked my board to share a single statement regarding um, what popped into their mind when I said his name. And this is what they shared with me, and I thought I'd share with all of you. That he was dedicated, that he was no-nonsense, that, that he was smart, that he was funny, witty, believed in the power of personal growth. Uh, this was mine. He always felt like an older brother whose approval I sought. He was a thoughtful conversationalist and curious. He led by example with integrity. He was humble and magnanimous. Um, the Castro Country Club helps about 5,000 people a month. 5,000 people come in, come in through our doors to seek services, go to meetings, um, find community, literally change their lives. 
his legacy is that we are still open and we will we will have the opportunity to continue to help folks and change their lives. Um, so, Luis, um, thank you. Thank you so much, Billy. Crispin had a huge appetite a voracious appetite for all things political. He, le le uh, he lived, breathed, anything politics. We would um, get done at the gym in the morning, we'd walk down the Pete's, we'd um, grab our coffee and start scrolling the headlines. He'd be on The Guardian UK, I'd be on The Guardian um, US, and we'd generally just <sighs> laugh, cry, but mostly just roll our eyes at the stupidity going on. Um, one, with, uh, one of the ways for Crispin to feed that political need was to become a member of the Alice B. Toklas LGBTQ plus Democratic Club. That is the longest name ever. Um, and we jacked jokes about that all the time. Um, and later he became a board member. And here to say a few words is the, uh, the co-chair of the Alice B. Toklas LGBTQ plus Democratic Club, uh, Gary McCoy. So we like to say Alice. It's shorter. <laughs> so I'm Gary McCoy. I'm senior co-chair of uh, Alice. <clears throat> I've had the honor of working closely with Crispin in many capacities over the last decade in San Francisco. While our introduction to each other was born out of the recovery community with our roots and advocacy efforts for the Castro Country Club, our relationship went a different and equally important direction. Crispin was a quiet force of nature when it came to important policies across the political spectrum of San Francisco and frankly beyond. And I say quiet only in his strategy, which I'll address in a minute. <clears throat> we had many conversations weekly, sometimes daily at Pete's Coffee. Often Scott would have to pull him away from me or we would talk all morning long uh, about San Francisco, politics, the hot topics of the moment, how we could best support our community. Crispin was selfless in his advocacy that was evident in the manner he began every conversation. I was talking with so-and-so about insert topic here, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Or, how do you feel about insert policy here? Once Crispin set himself on a direction, be it in support of a policy or candidate or against, he never backed down from his position, and he would do so with grace. He would support his arguments based on feedback from others, the facts of the situations, his historical knowledge, and most importantly, his passion to support and uplift others. In 2012, as Billy mentioned, the Castro Country Club began to come out of a, uh, a difficult and challenging period with Crispin's leadership. He worked behind the scenes to advocate for funding for the club from the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, in particular, District 8 Supervisor at the time, Scott Weiner. Um, later, he helped advocate for funding for the club from the mayor's budget. He understood the importance of our neighborhood-serving institutions and had a very personal stake in the health of our community. Sometimes, that meant spearheading efforts to protest the actions of a certain bar owner in the Castro that didn't always have the diversity and importance of our community in mind. 
Crispin was very dedicated to the policy efforts and mission of our club. He embodied our drive of advocating for human rights, social and economic justice, and equality for all persons, foremost the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community. I'll never forget the first time Crispin attended one of our meetings prior to joining the board. It happened to be an evening with a somewhat lively discussion on a policy. A tad heated at times, a generous back and forth amongst our members. The entire time I was thinking to myself how this was certainly quite the introduction for his first meeting. After the meeting ended, he stuck around and introduced himself to folks and then made his way outside where I was waiting for him. I thought for sure this would have been a terrible experience for him. Boy, was I wrong. That was fun, he said, with a huge grin and that twinkle in his eye, and he genuinely meant it. When's the next meeting? At any given moment, Crispin could be seen joining us at marches, advocating for equal marriage rights, equal benefits for same-sex partners, pro-housing rallies, and always, always ensuring justice and equal representation and rights for our community. As I mentioned, Crispin was a quiet force of nature in his strategy. And what I mean by that is a large part of his advocacy was his ability to speak one-on-one -on -one with folks. He was good at leaving you with things to ponder and often dropping a bug in your ear. The most recent powerful example of this was last year. Headlines had been made about how uniforms were going to be banned from our annual pride parade. The following morning at Pete's, Crispin asked me my thoughts on the situation. He reiterated his long-standing position on equality in the workplace, and by the end of our conversation, he had proposed an idea for a compromise. He suggested leadership and command staff should be allowed to wear their uniforms, and I thought he could be onto something. While many folks took credit, and some rightful credit, for this exact compromise a couple weeks later, I knew in my heart of hearts that immediately after our initial conversation, Crispin began reaching out to folks, one-on-one -on -one as he did, asking for their thoughts on the situation, and ending the conversation with his proposed compromise, a quiet force. Crispin has made an impact that will be felt for generations to come with his pragmatic approach, always gathering information and feedback, then dedicating himself to see anything through he touched. His dedication to his time on the board of the Castro Country Club, Eureka Valley Neighborhood Association, the Castro CBD, and Alice was powerful, but his mentorship to so many, whether he realized it or whether he mentor, those he mentored even realized it, is what I will always carry with me. I'd like to close with this. As I mentioned, Crispin's advocacy and activism reached beyond San Francisco. While Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Emerita, is busy in Washington, D.C. today, she asked me to convey her condolences, that his memory be a blessing and a comfort to his family, colleagues, and friends. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Crispin loved San Francisco. He loved working in this building. He was a, a docent to, as, for tours in this building. But he realized politics starts in your own backyard. And his backyard was District 8. And as long as he lived there, he made it a point to talk with the district supervisor, get to know the district supervisor, and help work on policies that would affect our district. And today, our current District 8 Supervisor, Rafael Mandelman, would like to say a few words.
morning, everybody. I think it's uh, a measure of his success in, in working the District 8 supervisors that former Senator, uh, former current future Congressman Wiener is here and, uh, and, uh, and former supervisor and bar director and <laughs> very amused by me, Bevan Defty is here as well. Thank you, Bevan. Um, I lost it uh, when I had to do this at the, at the Board of Supervisors for the In Memoriam, I, um, but I'm gonna do my best to hold it together. Uh, Chris, Crispin was wonderful and that's why everybody is here. Um, I think I see Susie Loftus back there who uh, Crispin introduced us and formed a fast friendship between us. People are gonna say many nice things about Crispin. Crispin was also a provocateur. <laughs> but I mean that in the very best way. Um, so it actually is a nice thing. I have a little story. The last time I saw Crispin was the Monday before the election, this November's election. And I was standing outside the Castro Muni station, as one does when one is a politician in San Francisco um, the day before election, well, particularly for a District 8 supervisor. I was campaigning for myself, but I was really campaigning for Proposition L, which was the transportation sales tax that I really cared about and was really important to me. Um, Crispin was returning to the neighborhood from, I think, one of his run, runs along Ocean Beach, um, which is very Crispin. He was amazingly fit. For someone who's more than a decade younger, um, I was amazed by his um, fortitude, always at the gym before me, always there the days when I was not there. And when he wasn't doing that, he was out running by the beach or doing other things to stay fit. So it's a very Christmas experience. He's showing up. He's just been out at the, out at the beach. I'm um, holding my sign, campaigning for Proposition L, and he tells me proudly that he voted against Prop L. <laughs> and he's got a reason for it, and he tells me the reason, but he was lovely. I mean, you couldn't be mad at Crispin even when he was taking a contrarian position because he was such a sweetheart. But he was a provocateur, and he was an iconoclast, and a contrarian, and a relentless critic, um, and that's who he was. And it's also part of him that he did it all as, as a courteous, good-natured, loving human being. And, you know, in a city where the smallest political differences uh, get converted into chasms, and where people, too many folks, fetishize and personalize um, uh, these, and, and, and these disagreements. Crispin was a regular and stubborn practitioner of the increasingly lost art of disagreeing without being disagreeable. He was also, and this has been talked about, a kind, generous, and thoughtful friend. Many of us intend to get together with friends, intend to remember birthdays, um, want to do these things. Crispin actually did it and corralled people and cared for people and checked in on people as a human being. And he had, as he had enormous capacity for his civic engagement, he also had incredible capacity for personal caring about other people in his life, in his extraordinarily wide um, circle of of friends. 
and, it w and he was a joy to us. It was one of the favorite parts of my day was walking into Fitness SF on those days when I could drag myself in there to have that conversation with Crispin because it would be interesting, I would learn something, I'm sure I would be provoked, he would say something that I didn't agree with. Um, but it was, uh, it was a wonderful way to start a day and I still miss um, those morning chats. That gift for friendship extended to the broader community and we've heard about all of the organizations he was a part of, the Castro Country Club, the Community Benefits District, the Eureka Valley Neighborhood Association, MCC, the Alice B. Toklas Club. I mean, not everyone does that. Not everyone who's not running for office does that. Crispin was never running for office. He just cared about the community um, and threw himself into it uh, with, all, with all of his heart. Um, I think was it, uh, might have been Gary who said he, he had a voracious appetite, or it might have been Scott who said he had a voracious appetite for all things political. I actually think Crispin just had a, a voracious appetite for all things human and all things community. Um, and that's uh, what we saw and we all benefited from. He was also an enormously talented public servant, frequently put in the hot seat by a board of supervisors that no one could mistake for being excessively deferential to city staff, period, and to public safety staff in particular. Um, and yet, he held his own. Um, he was always a professional. He was respected and appreciated, I think, by everyone in this building. Maybe if, there, if they didn't, they were fools. But, but, in, but he, even the folks who were, who were coming for your department, Sheriff, still respected uh, Crispin. Um, after his death, the board adjourned in his memory. Um, I have a proclamation here signed by um, everyone on the Board of Supervisors that I'll give to Luis. Um, to Luis and the rest of Crispin's family, to Sheriff Miyamoto and everyone in the Sheriff's Department, I don't have anything to tell you that you don't already know about Crispin Hollings. He was an extraordinary man, one of a kind, a burst of sunshine and a pain in the ass all in one. Um, I miss him lots and I know, um, I know you all do too. Um, but on the behalf of the Board of Supervisors, I did want to extend my deepest condolences. Rest in peace, Crispin Hollings. Rest in peace and power and may your memory be a blessing. Thanks, Ruffy. Um, when Crispin and I be, would be working out, we talked about a lot of things, usually about the new hot guy in the next uh, machine, but mostly about our jobs. And when um, the current sheriff was elected, uh, Crispin thought, I can really work with this guy. And in the beginning, it was, he talked about uh, the sheriff in a very uh, boss, uh, subordinate sort of way. Um, in time, it seemed like it was very much more a partnership. And finally, it be, I could tell it was a friendship. And sheriff, please say us a few words. Uh, burst of sunshine and pain in the ass. <laughs> Interestingly fabulous is what one of my colleagues, Margaret, described him as, and I think 
both capture who Crispin was to all of us. He was complex yet simple, uh, worldly yet unassuming, and steadfast in his beliefs but curious. It's amazing because I, I have words prepared and every single word I have on the page is something that somebody has said so far today. And, and one thing that hasn't been said yet is family. And we have many of you here today from Crispin's family from back east and London and everywhere, worldly. And please understand that all of us here were his family as well. And I'm so appreciative of us being together today to celebrate who he was and remember him in these lights. So thank you for being here and thank you everybody else for being here for the moment as well. Uh, you know, Crispin always rooted for the underdog. Not to say the sheriff's office is an underdog here in San Francisco, but uh, as our chief financial officer, his responsibilities, he, he understood who we are about as public safety. He understands that we're about public safety through compassion and second chances. And he embraced the duty and responsibility uh, to infuse these values into our system, into our criminal justice system, into our government, and support our community members wherever they are, out in the community or in the system or in the jails. He had strong ties, obviously, and was deeply committed to the city, as has been evidenced. The fact that these worlds intersected, energized and motivated him to be who he was for all of us, and the good work that he did. With our budget and resources, he was definitely very tenacious and a pit bull here in City Hall when it came to advocacy. Uh, but he was well respected and he did what he advocated for was in the best interest of all of us in the community. I know if you worked at the mayor's office or the controller's office, and I appreciate many of you are here today, uh, you probably know what I mean when I say that. He was very tenacious and a pit bull. But everybody that sat with him at any table he was at may have rolled their eyes, but they also rolled up their sleeves. And we all worked together to get things done. Uh, he was definitely a meticulous strategizer. And at work, it was always time to play chess. He was a numbers guy who loved spreadsheets and pivot tables, which is an absolute foreign language to me. Uh, but he did embrace our vision, our vision for reform and change and keeping people safe. And the only time he actually didn't embrace change, uh, and you'll see that in the slideshow soon, is he, he had green hair at one point. And I asked him if he could keep that because we wear green. Uh, but he didn't listen to me when, when St. Patrick's Day was over. I think he also wore orange. Didn't you guys color your hair orange as well for the Giants, I believe? Yes. So appreciated that and that levity that he brought. Uh, I worked with him very closely every day and was just blessed to have that opportunity. Got to know him as not just a coworker, but as a friend. And his passion, he, he relished just talking and finding solutions. And sometimes I wouldn't know where he was, but now I do know because he was with you, uh, with you, Scott, or, or, 
or Billy or, or Gary, and we had the same conversations. He had conversations with all of us, uh, the one-on-ones in our department, which made us all better for the moments that we shared. Uh, except his commitment to work, his commitment to the community never outweighed his commitment to you, Luis. And that was evident, and it's evident that he you are his before anyone else in life. And uh, it was beautiful to see that reflected in how he spoke and, and the cards that you send out every holiday season. Uh, even with all of that, he still found the time to mentor many, to elevate others, uh, with the breadth of his humor and the depth of his insight. Uh, any one of us who has been touched by him and the work that he did and what he did for all of us uh, were blessed with those moments. And uh, I just want to say, uh, Crispin, rest easy, please. As you watch over all of us from above, just understand we'll do our part to take you from here. Uh, we have the watch right now, Crispin. Thank you. Spoken about Crispin's passions, politics, community, but I think what was most important to him, like the sheriff just said, was family. He loved you all so much and talked about you nonstop, about your times in Ocraco, and, and I'm sorry, Jennifer, he loved you so much and cared so much. And I've had some time to spend with some of the family over the last couple of days, and I know where his big heart came from. His family is amazing. Um, and I'd like to bring up Paul, um, Paul, his brother. Thank you. So before I, <clears throat> excuse me, you hand me my water. <clears throat> Before I begin my prepared remarks, I would just like to say thank you to several people. Um, you know, to Scott, who's done such an amazing job. He told me how nervous he was, but I can't tell. He's brilliant at this. <laughs> um, to uh, you know, the, the, uh, Chaplain uh, Fred for um, your uh, thoughtful invocation. To uh, Tanzanika for all your organization and for your touching poem. Um, and to uh, Billy and Gary and Raphael and Paul for all your stories. Um, they're consistent with who we know, but they also add so much to our understanding of Crispin. Um, and, and lastly, I just want to say, I mean, I'll reference Luis in my remarks, but I want to say thank you so much, Luis. You have been such a tower of strength for our family for the last two months. And you've just been extraordinary in keeping us informed and doing all this work. And do you know that, that Luis took the Christmas card, and many of you have received the, the, the annual uh, holiday card, I don't know if it's not a Christmas card, but, um, and he reworked it in a beautiful, touching um, uh, drawing inspired by his, one of his favorite movies, Wings of Desire, and he sent it out to 600 people with personal notes. <laughs> uh, Luis, you have been extraordinary, and thank you so much. Um, we, we love you so much.
So, my brother Crispin is gone. Suddenly, inexplicably, incomprehensibly, his big heart gave out. He leaves behind his husband, Luis Hollings Casillas, his mother, who is watching us from Alexandria, Virginia, three siblings, one niece, four nephews, two brothers-in-law, many relatives, and countless friends. Countless friends. I am still in shock. We expect our parents, our grandparents, our uncles and aunts to die in the natural course of time, but we think our siblings will go the full distance with us. Yet Crispin packed more into his 61 years than seemed possible. He was always on the move, visiting family and friends, traveling within the country or abroad, and participating in so many activities. From a young age, Crispin was always different, and he didn't care what others thought about that. When he was very young, we laughed at his aspiration to become a vacuum cleaner when he grew up. And one of the great moments of his early years was when a mini vacuum cleaner was needed to extract the pencil lead he had broken off inside his ear. <laughs> Crispin was the most supremely self-confident person I knew. He didn't waste time, as many of us do, with, with doubt or second-guessing. And despite a Catholic upbringing and living within a largely homophobic society, Crispin completely eschewed the concept of shame. He was clear about he, who he was and what he believed, and he didn't care what others thought of that. John Benelli, who is here today, remembers that in the 80s in Hartford, Connecticut, when many in the LGBTQ community were understandably reluctant to publicly come out, that Crispin harbored no such reservations and was instead loud and proud. He didn't limit his instinct for justice to gay causes. I have a memory of walking across Boston Public Garden with him when we were both in our early 30s. Two women were silently protesting something with signs about an issue. I've long since forgotten what it was. We saw two policemen go up to them and start giving them a hard time. I was prepared to move on, but Crispin walked right up and said, they're not doing anything wrong, they have a right to be here and it was the police officers who moved on. Many people have commented on the Facebook post that I made shortly after he died about what joy Crispin brought to them, about how they liked themselves more after spending time with him. He was indeed a giving person who left others feeling uplifted and energized. As one friend wrote, she always felt so loved and watched over by Crispin. Yet Crispin's boundless generosity and support never came at the expense of enjoying himself. He believed in experiencing joy as much as he did in bestowing it. He loved engaging with people, as we've heard from several other speakers. And everyone here should know that you gave him joy, just as he gave it to you. My mother reflected yesterday in a talk with me on their very different reactions to, um, after my father's death on, on how they felt about seeing people, she told Crispin that she dreaded going out because everybody wanted to talk with her. And Crispin's immediate response was that he loved that. 
In so many ways, Crispin fully engaged in life, with life. With a twinkle in his eye and a mischievous grin, he relished a good meal and ate with gusto, especially high-fat foods. Clouded cream was a favorite. He viewed a card game as an opportunity to turn trash-talking into an art form. And he always managed to appear in far more family photographs than anyone else. <laughs> I see that's, that's something that resonates. To put it mildly, he was, he was not camera shy. Crispin connected deeply and meaningfully with others. He wanted to know about their thoughts, their lives, their loves and challenges. He excelled at friendship and at having fun. He gave people his full intent attention and listened intently. He respected differing opinions. He brought strong and deep principles to all he did and spoke out firmly and respectfully for those principles fearless about what others thought. Crispin loved being a member of the Castro community. He had many close friends in his tribe and made a huge impact with his forthright advocacy in both Hartford and San Francisco. And he also devoted much time and energy to relationships with friends and family, including two weeks every August with our extended family at Ocracoke, North Carolina. Crispin reveled in his identity as a gay man and his membership in the LGBTQ community. He came out to friends and family alike, everybody he knew, as a high school teenager in the 1970s. He was president of the then-named Gay Student Union at the University of Virginia in the early 80s. I walked together with him and with John in 1986 in a silent AIDS walk. Crispin moved to San Francisco in the late 1980s, drawn to the largest gay community in the country. He had a long-term relationship before such a bond could be legally sanctioned as marriage with gay activist and writer Eric Rofus, who similarly died way too young. He was thrilled that the law had later progressed and granted him the right to marry his love, Luis, nine years ago. When my youngest son, Nicholas, who's here today with his brothers, came out two years ago, Crispin and Luis celebrated, writing in part, it's provided a great path through life for the two of us. Here's to a great path forward for you. And then Crispin added, in reference to our, our distant relative, Virginia Woolf would be proud. I don't quite believe that Crispin is dead. When I hear something interesting or learn something new, I keep having these half-second thoughts that I ought to share it with Crispin. But he is gone, and I am beyond sad about that. And while I mourn, I also celebrate the extraordinary life that he lived and the front row seat that I had to witness and participate in so much of the joy, the wonder, the creative mischief, the fun and connection that marked his life. To borrow from the words of one of Crispin's friends, the world feels less sparkly without Crispin in it. Thank you.
Thank you, Paul. I still have that split second of, I gotta tell Crispin this every friggin' day. Uh, where the hell am I? Um, so we have a few, a uh, couple, I don't know, I think two acknowledgements and resolutions we'd like to g give out. We'll start with um, Scott Weiner, our state senator, hopefully congressman. <laughs> don't know. Good morning. Uh, that was all just so uh, beautiful, and I, I found myself uh, thinking how much I had experienced a lot of the same things. Like, uh, as with Raphael, I, I, I too have been told no uh, by, by Crispin. Uh, remind me, I, Scott, I support you and I love you, but I can't be with you on, on this. But I always came away feeling good in the conversation, being told no. It was okay. Um, I've known Crispin for a long time. I lived. Uh, block and a half away from uh, Crispin and Luis, uh, just neighbors uh, forever. Uh, so not just elected official to constituent, but just neighbor uh, to neighbor. And he was someone who, uh, you know, in, in politics and, and in neighborhood politics, because as harsh as politics are, neighborhood politics are even harsher a lot of times, um, you, you realize very quickly who the, who the rocks are uh, the people who are just going to be rock solid, uh, have their heads screwed on straight, and are going to help always guide the community to a good decision. Uh, and Crispin was absolutely uh, one of those people. Uh, he, uh, I know his, his passing is a loss to so many people. It's a huge, huge loss to the Castro community. Uh, and, uh, and, and Crispin, we love you, and, and I know that you are smiling down. Uh, on us. Um, we uh, I did uh, adjourn uh, the California State Senate in Crispin's uh, memory and have a, a memorial resolution uh, in his memory. So um, rest in peace, uh, Crispin. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. And uh, Rafi, did you want to? Okay. Okay, I guess we're good on that. Um, so now I think we are going to uh, see some pictures. Please enjoy some photos of, of um, Crispin. And if you're in the back and can't see, you're welcome to come forward.
Um, the sheriff has asked that you stay seated for just a few minutes while the, uh, they get some photographs. And then after that, I'm going to ask you to rise for the uh, removal of the color. Before I ask you to rise, I really want to thank you, um, everyone that was partaking in putting this together. Uh, Tanzanika, thank you so much. Uh, Christian, you were amazing. And um, I really encourage you all after this formal part to go enjoy some refreshments and partake and talk about Christmas amongst yourselves. I'm sure you all have some great stories to tell. I know I do. Um, so, um, Will the honor guard, oh, please rise. And will the honor guard, you can retire the colors. All uniform personnel present arms. All uniform personnel order arms. Detail, right face, forward march.
Thank you all. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Thank you all for coming.